Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host for today, Cameron Tuptabai. I'm joined, as always, by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. And we have some real, actual Celtics basketball to discuss, so let's just get in and welcome our guest this week, the one and only Chris Forsberg. Chris, how are you? What's going on, everybody? Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. How are things uh, over at NBC Sports Boston? You actually have things to report on. Yeah, I know. It's it's so weird. Uh, I actually uh, disappeared for a couple weeks this summer. Uh, my family nice. and I go down to South Carolina, and that's always fun. Uh, but the Celtics were like super busy that week. They uh, <laughs> re-signed uh, Marcus. They they extended Rob. And uh, so everything is kind of crazy going down. And then I came back, and then it was quiet for like a month. Uh, so it's, it's nice that things are picked back up, that we have some training camp to watch, that we have games to watch now. And so uh, excited to, to, to actually be able to talk about something other than like, uh, all the moves Brad Stevens made this offseason. Yeah, we had like three different Bradley Beal podcasts this summer because <laughs> everything everything happened in the first week of July. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Uh, Alex, how was your show down in D.C.? My show was great, Cam. Thanks for asking. First off, uh, I don't know if anybody is listening, but if you are, thank you so much to coming out to the show uh, this past Friday, uh, D.C. 9 down in Washington, D.C., uh, with Divine Sweater and the Crystal Casino Band, our good friends. Shout out to them. They actually listened to this podcast, I found out, which is weird because they're in D.C., but here we are. I'm, I'm feeling good, man. I'm having a good week. Chris, really happy to have you here. This is going to be a fun podcast, so things are all good over here. Dr. Quinn, how are things in Mexico? Not too shabby. I uh, made myself a lovely sandwich for lunch that is disagreeing with me considerably. Uh, but I think it'll be okay. So well, things are good. We have the most interesting intros on this podcast. All right, let's talk about the basketball uh, instead of just Justin Sandwich and a concert that already happened. So, Chris, you're here to talk about uh, a little bit of news, and we're going to uh, look forward to the entire season. But we might as well talk about last night's preseason game right off the top. So we have a few things that we thought were interesting. But first and foremost, what was your your key takeaway from this preseason game? Well, the first thing, we're not going to talk about Rob's performance because as the president of the Time Lord Fan Club, we're not going to go into the 0 for 7, the uh, (laughs) array of of 15-footers that he sprayed and missed. Uh, He was still a defensive presence. But, uh, you know, I just like that it's way to, you know, and this is what we do. We overreact to uh, preseason games, but there was a different energy, a different vibe around this team. Uh, the building was certainly electric and, you know, look, I don't know if that's going to translate into the regular season, but uh, it was neat to see the younger guys like Aaron Neesmith kickstart that rally there at the end. Uh, again, I don't know what that means for the future, but I like that these Celtics, instead of being the unlikable sort of defensively <laughs> indifferent uh, uh, adversity uh, caving team that we saw last year, at least they looked a little bit different and you could see, how some of these pieces might work together. And most importantly, the Jays look really good. And, and, you know, so like you come away from that and no one got hurt that I know of. Uh, So like, it it feels like it was a a positive first step and they'll get a couple days of practice here to, to, to really sort of uh, ramp up a little bit because these games are going to go quick. And and before we know it, the the real ones will be here. Yeah. um, I want to ask Justin and Alex, their quick thoughts, but I have two things for you, Chris. First, um, I heard someone on Twitter say that time Lord is skinny Mark Blount. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that was tough. Um, but I second, took that as like enough, that, well, first off, I took that as an affront to my family and, uh, <laughs> I'm ready to fight whoever said that. That's an eminently reasonable opinion, Chris. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Um, Chris and maybe Justin, you know, I was surprised that Jalen was like, yeah, my wrist kind of hurts, but it felt good to be back. Did, did people know that he's still kind of on the mend or was that kind of a surprise? So I, I will say he had kind of hinted in the last few weeks that he wasn't a hundred percent. And I okay. thought there was a chance they'd maybe like uh, tread carefully with him. The fact that they just threw him right out there. And the fact that he was so good in those first, especially that first, whatever, 18 minutes he played in the first, first half um, is encouraging. But certainly when you hear someone say, Oh, my wrist is 80, 85%, uh, not ideal, especially for a basketball <laughs> player who, you know, uses their left hand fairly often. And for someone who draws contact as much as Jalen should. So uh, something, yeah, something we're going to have to keep our eye on. But uh, the one thing I'll say is sometimes when you see a guy come back from an injury like that, they're very hesitant. And I didn't mm-hmm. get that with, with Jalen. It felt like no. uh, it was bugging him. You know, it was, it was an isolated incident. Hopefully that's the way it remains. Cool. Cool. Uh, Alex and Justin, quick thoughts on the, the first preseason game. 
Well, you know, just to kind of key off of that point, I think that one of the things I love about Jalen and why he remains my favorite player to this day is that Jalen is sometimes to his own detriment, kind of a maniac when it comes to how much he loves basketball. This guy really, (laughs) really, really loves playing basketball, being involved in basketball and, and getting on the court in whatever capacity he can. And he definitely showed that last night. I mean, listen, I, I'm, if he's feeling 80 to 85% right now, then the whole league should be afraid of what he feels like when he's a hundred percent, because man, did that guy look good. Um, Jason Tatum steady as a rock. One thing I noticed about Tatum is that the pictures uh, from the summer workouts on Instagram have definitely translated into his on the court presence. He looks big and he, in particular, it looks like he is spending a lot more time kind of trying to take it to the rim aggressively. Now, we do have yeah. to take this with a grain of salt as it's a preseason game against the Magic. It's not exactly the same as taking it to the rack against Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert. But um, the fact that he's actively seeking out contact and appears to be bigger and visibly bigger and stronger, I think is a really good sign. And Boy, did that ever show in that fat dunk that he <laughs> threw down all over Wendell Carter Jr. That was awesome to watch. He also took uh, Mo Wagner to church, but I feel like I could take Mo <laughs> Wagner to church if, <laughs> if I was really feeling myself. Uh, Dr. Quinn, what about you? Uh, Ime Adoka said after the game that they were listening to him a little bit too much. And oh. it definitely, it definitely, they were moving the ball beautifully. I mean, not beautifully, but beautifully compared to last season. It was, shall we say, sloppy at times. Uh, but I really do appreciate the level of buy-in they seem to be getting a little bit too much, maybe, as, as Udoka was talking about it. It's going to be a little bit of rough going, I think, over the next few games and once they learn this system a little bit better, I think it's going to be a lot more fun to watch, but it, it was a little bit rough at times. So I guess we buried the lead. I'll just say that the Celtics won this game for, for anyone who's unaware. Uh, Chris, let me ask you about this. Juancho Hernagomez got the start. What'd you think of that? And what'd you think of the rotation overall, which uh, admittedly in the preseason is going to be fluid. So I was, I was joking. I said, uh, you know, Brad Stevens, one of the most famous moments during his coaching tenure was when he came out in Chicago and said, uh, Joe Green is going to start a playoff game for us. And like literally every <laughs> reporter's mouth hit the, hit the ground. And I just, I just envisioned like he may go into Brad before this game and going like, Hey Brad, I'm going to run something by you. I'm thinking about throwing uh, you know, one out there to, to start. And the, there's been a lot of buzz in the media about Hernan Gomez being the fifth starter. But uh, what do you think of that? And Brad being like, this is why I hired you. You know, like you, you're going to think differently. You want to roll the dice. Like I, I, I get what he's going for uh, in terms of, I think they want some size out there take some of the stress off of Jalen and Jason having to guard fours, uh, just being bigger in general. I think we've seen like the last few years, Celtics had a 5'11 point guard and, you know, it, 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 it was to their detriment at times. As good as Kemba and Ky- even Kyrie and, you know, back to IT, as good as, as offensive players as they were, uh, there were always negatives on the defensive end. And sometimes that wasn't for a lack of trying, especially in Kemba's case. Um, mm-hmm. But man, like in the NBA, they'll pick on you and they'll pick on you in a hurry. And now, uh, if you start big, I'm not sure who you pick on because, you know, even if, if Hernan Gomez isn't the best defensive player, you got four really good ones out there with them. And I'll be intrigued to see how it morphs. Um, you know, maybe he's just setting us up for slotting Allen there and seeing how that looks. Uh, I'm, if you if you're, uh, I don't know if I've tipped my hand quite as much as like my time Lord love, but uh, <laughs> I am fully on the start Aaron Neesmith train uh, oh, cool. for that, for that fifth spot, because I think they need shooting out there. And I think there's not a lot of it on this team. So I'm, I, I am intrigued to see where this, this lineup goes and what they're, why they're experimenting with it and, you know, how early subs will look. Cause I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm being honest, like if we just put the aside, the whole idea of like, we get worked up about the fifth starter, but okay. Horford and Schroeder looked really good together. You know, Josh Richardson in that mix and didn't play great, but you can see how he fits, you know, are there pairings that you can roll in early that maximize that core without necessarily saying like, okay, let's just jam you know, Al Horford into the starting lineup. There's ways to, to make this work and, and maximize everybody. Yeah, no, it's really interesting that you say that, Chris, because I personally, I have been more optimistic than some about the possibility of starting Rob and Al together. And this idea that Wancho is kind of like a placeholder for that and that Al is going to uh, eventually climb into that starting lineup would line up with a couple of things, in particular, some stuff that Jay King said on Twitter about how Horford has been really active and impressive uh, in kind of 
camp. But there is this point, which I think you hit on, which makes a lot of sense that Schroeder and Horford have a really strong connection and at looking to those guys to be the kind of carrying force for bench units, I think is a reasonable thing. One more thing to throw in about Wancho is that um, apparently Wancho hit something like 60 corner threes in a row or something in practice mm-hmm. and has been shooting the lights out of the ball, at least in training camp, which could be uh, an indication as to maybe why he was in the starting lineup for opening mm-hmm. night, uh, so to speak, for preseason opening night. Um, it tends to be the case that in preseason, you know, if the starters aren't completely locked in, guys who do who bring it in camp will be rewarded in some capacity. I'm not super uh, sure that Wancho is going to be in the starting lineup opening night. I just feel like um, he's, he's a good player. Uh, he's been kind of a spot starter at times, but he strikes me as more of a high-end bench guy. But it was kind of nice to see that he's capable of being plugged into that starting lineup because, you know, if you think about Al Horford or Aaron Neesmith or any of these other guys who might jump into the starting lineup, the Celtics uh, have been bit by the injury bug time and time again. So having a guy in Wancho off the bench who you can plug into a starting lineup is a real luxury for this team that they did not have last year. Justin, any, uh, any thoughts on that or any other thoughts on the preseason? I mean, preseason, that the preseason game. Uh, as far as the whole starting thing, I do think that on opening night, we're going to see Al Horford and Time Lord starting together. Uh, I don't think we should get too worried about that. I do think that Al will probably be spending a lot of time with the second unit. I think that they're going to they're gonna sub people out pretty early. And it's not something that we have to think about in the same way that we thought about the double big lineups of last season. These are very, very different players in, in total. I, I am still scarred from those Tice Thompson minutes, though. Like, literally, <laughs> uh, like, I, when you started, just, like, without even saying their names, I almost fell out of my chair because I don't want to go back to those plotting, terrible Tice. I mean, like, I, like Tice is a great, is, is an above average three-point shooter for his size, but uh, I just never want to see that, that situation again. Again, I'm intrigued. I'm, one of the only things I'm disappointed is I don't know how many, I have to go back and check the log, but what, how many Rob... Uh, Al minutes we got last night. I didn't. It didn't like jump out at me as it was going on. And then, again, maybe that's strategic as they sort of figure out if this thing can work behind the curtains. But mm-hmm. uh, I need to see it work before I'm like, yes, this is the lineup that they should go with. One thing that I think might be interesting to look at is kind of how I, I thought. One thing that I came away with from that preseason game was that uh, the bench and in particular the backcourt. We're spending a lot of time talking about the front court. The backcourt looked like it had some stuff. Uh, that it needed to work out. Chris, I want to kind of flip to you. What did you think about the backcourt? And in particular, what did you think about the other guy who is kind of starting to lock into this starting lineup in Marcus Smart as the starting point guard? Yeah, I thought they were all kind of sloppy. I thought Marcus, more than anyone, didn't didn't have a great sort of like, hey, yeah, this is our the point guard of the future, right? Like, you know, he's had his moments, though, throughout the year. So I'm not overly concerned about it. It's clear that they want to, amp up the pace here like they want uh to to get the ball get up to court and quick decisions like that that whole spurs 0.5 second thing because it felt like there were guys would catch it and then they're like as soon as you start thinking though that's when trouble happens and so you just Mm -hmm. got to instinctively shoot move it or whatever i think they'll get better at that um but yeah that first that first quarter i think they had like what eight turnovers it was really sloppy looking got a little bit better from there um but i know the chemistry that Marcus had with Jalen in particular last year. I want to see more of that. Um, I just want to see him, you know, be comfortable in that, in that leadership role. And then, you know, I mean, maybe it just stands out because Schroeder's the new guy, but like it, it, the, the, at least he was intense defensively. He moves so fast. He like, he's, he's, he's confident with what he does. It doesn't always work out. You know, I don't think anybody on that bench shot particularly well, um, no. but uh, you can see the potential there. So uh, again, I don't. I, I wish we had more of a sample to to scream about. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think I think it's going to work out good with all those uh, having those all those multiple ball handlers out there. But yeah, I really want to see Marcus Smart as we start to look ahead to Game Two and that you know whatever the Raptors are at this point. Uh, like, what, how does he look in that situation, and uh, can he kind of settle into that to that role? I'm actually I'm looking forward to a few preseason losses. I think. A couple lumps might be good for the squad. Uh, One thing, good transition out of you, you just use the word leadership and something 
that could happen tomorrow. So I think that could happen in a few weeks. I don't really know is that Boston might name not just one team captain, but two, which is something that Brad Stevens was really against. I mean, back in my Celtics hub days, it was every season you could write Brad Stevens should name a, a captain. And it was easy. <laughs> I think I did that. I think I did copy. that like yeah, seven times. Yeah. Um, so this might, might really happen. So um, it's been teased that there will be two. And at first I was like, Oh, I know who the two are. And now I have decided that I definitely don't know who the two are. So Chris, who do you, if you were the coach, who would you name? And either because you've heard whispers or because you have an inkling, who do you think might be named? The, so the two if captains. If, if I was Ime, it would be Jalen and Jason. Um, okay. I think there's a power to enabling your younger players and giving them that title. Uh, I think I'm emboldened a little bit by that because uh, Marcus Smart has said, I don't care uh, if yeah. I'm a captain or not. Uh, I don't think Al Horford would particularly care if you don't. I understand the cases for both Horford and Smart, and, and they, that might ultimately be the way they tip. And if I had to guess, you know, there's probably a value in naming the more veteran guys and the more vocal guys, uh, at least in Marcus's case. Uh, to be those those leaders. What's what I'm somewhat fearful of is like this roster is still very fluid. And so if you get to midseason and all of a sudden Bradley Beal becomes available, so are you trading your yeah. captain, you know, to 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 get him? And you know, that doesn't just it like just aesthetically that doesn't that doesn't look great, you know. And but maybe they don't care. Like this is the team that named Rajon Rondo captain, even though Brad was totally against it and traded him eight months later. So yeah. um, you know, it it's just a title. It's something that's supposed to inspire a little bit more leadership. And I don't think that's a bad thing for them to have voices. But, you know, the more I think about it, I, you know, when I look at that list of captains in Celtics history, you know, part of the reason that like the Ricky Davis or whatever, I, you know, I, don't, know, I don't think Ricky Davis was a captain, but like there are names on that list that jump out because I'm like, how are they captain? You know, like it was, it's supposed yeah. to be Kuzi and Russell and Pierce and, you know, Havlicek and all these guys that you're familiar with. And then I don't know how I'd feel if I'd look back and be like, oh, they had six months where Al Horford was a captain on his second tenure at age 35. So mm-hmm. uh, give it to Jalen and Jason and let them ride that out and be captains for the next 10 years. And, uh, you know, but uh, maybe I'm overthinking it. No, I mean, that, that's the answer that I arrived at almost a process of elimination. Justin or Alex, any, any boat rocking you want to do? Not particularly. I was leaning towards Smart and Horford, but I'm, I'm actually kind of compelled by this idea of empowering the Jays. I really do think that they can handle it in a way that won't necessarily be egotistical, you know, or premature. Right. Sorry, Chris, I, I just have to say, you know, I'm surprised by your answer that you driving the Time Lord bandwagon weren't pushing for <laughs> Time Lord as the right. captain. That would be, I think, a really stunning transition from, you know, the days in which he earned his time word nickname. But so, I mean, look, he's the per- he's been the first one in the gym lately. So maybe there is the the way to just sort of everybody. Hey, get on the time lord plan. Let's see if you can stay on the court. You know, even 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 the fan, the, the president of the fan club has to admit uh, that's what I would do. I'd say if I'm email, I go to time lord. I go, hey, look, we're not going to name captains right out of the gate. You give me 30 games by March and uh, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, Maybe maybe you can be maybe be part of the the captain of this ship. Yeah, some of that non guaranteed money is becoming the captain. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I suspect you're right about the the politics of trades. I don't think there's any world where it could be one J and not the other. Um, that's not the point of this podcast. But the Jalen Brown comments about how close he and Jason were were felt a little defensive and out of nowhere. And if one of them was well, the captain. Uh, all right, well, I, I'll actually, I, I can, I can shed some light sure, yeah. on this. Um, uh, on media day, I got a chance to sit down with Jalen and Jason. And uh, maybe by the time people hear this podcast, that's that story will be out. But um, they were likewise a little bit taken aback by my line of questioning. And I think um, it wasn't meant to be like, it's this big thing. It's just one of the questions I'm routinely asked is, is so what is their relationship like? I, you know, like we, there's only so much as fans yeah. we see. And there's also this perception, whether fair or not, and maybe I fall guilty of this as well, is that like your two stars have to be like buddies. Like, and I don't, and I don't know what to, to what degree that is, but they have to be at least able to coexist. And yeah. I think they just wanted to push back on this notion that like, you know, they have to be hanging out at each other's house every night and being best friends as, as long as there's a healthy respect. Um, but it was a, it was a really cool interview and one that I've been like, as Jalen starting to come out and, and say it in that group session last week, I got, to, I started to sweat a little bit because uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, e- I'm eager for people to hear 
what they say because uh, it's just really cool when, you know, I didn't think I would get a chance to get both of them in the same room at the same time. And, um, you know, I think it's, it was enlightening. And, you know, again, I don't think there's going to be any big secret that, that, that comes out of it. I think it's just, it was really neat to hear how much admiration they have for each other and how much they really, really enjoy playing together. And so every time you hear this, like, oh, Jason, you know, desperately wants to play with Bradley Beal. And he didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get into that part of it, but like, he really likes playing with Jalen Brown. And so yeah. I, I think, it, you know, it, it, sometimes I think he's just getting defensive because uh, sometimes on the outside, we're just left wondering, you know, what it's like. And uh, I think these guys are, I, I think they're hopeful that they are sort of the, the pillars of the future. And, and that's why maybe again, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing to, to, to be the captains deep into the future. Yeah. Now I like that read a lot. I mean, someone should give Jalen Brown a, a designer potato chip or something. So he, cause it, it's really the national media that I think is vaunting Tatum to that next level. Um, but I don't, yeah, they, I think they are, I think you're exactly right. They're, they're great, great coworkers. I'm sure they're very amiable, but Jason Tatum loves to golf and take his kid to soccer practice. He's like a 45 year old man. And Jalen Brown is like opening. I take offense to that comment. A cool, <laughs> one of the cool ones, you know, I mean, um, we should be so lucky. Anyways, uh, that wasn't the point of the pod, but really great Intel. Uh, Chris, thank you for that. So let's, let's put a pin on that. I suppose maybe there's a world where we have to bring you back and either you or Jalen has to eat crow. We'll see. Um, but let's, <laughs> let's look into the future a little bit more. And we're, we're just going to kind of do quick hitters on what the future of the 2021, 2022 Boston Celtics look like. And we'll start with the most important question, which is which player makes the last two way slot on the team. And why do you think that uh, Jabari also is in line to make that 15 man spot? So what do you think about the back end of the roster? So, and, and this is so funny because like there's nothing people read more on our website than the 15th man and final two way slot because we're all just, we love backup quarterback, right? Like the, <laughs> the potential of what the, what the 15th man can be. And I do, I, I'm guilty of, of obsessing over it uh, far more than it, it ever comes into play. So, you know, it's, it, I thought it was interesting that, and I know there's supposed to be quick hitters, but uh, I found it interesting that Jabari and all the end of the guy, bench guys didn't play last night. Like normally by the end of a preseason game, you see, them start to trickle in and get some time. Now the circumstances of the game maybe dictated that, but um, you know, I'm, I'm, I would say I think Jabari's skill set gives him a chance. But if Slim Grant and Wancho has a, a is, mm-hmm. is starter capable, you know, maybe there's not as much of a need for a, a power forward type with that final spot. So maybe um, you know one of these invites gets on because they got shooting and um, Garrison or Ryan, like some maybe someone can make a play. Uh, Theo Pinson for his bench leadership, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. I, I could see one of these guys earning that 15 spot based on uh, maybe if the Celtics are more confident than that we think they would be at the power forward spot. And if Al's going to play some uh, more power forward than, than maybe I'm thinking going into the year. But uh, and then for the two way slot, you know, it's, it's been disappointing that Juwan Morgan hasn't been healthy because uh, yeah. like, here's a guy that started started games for the Utah Jazz in the postseason who plays a position of need. Um, I, I think once he gets out there, if he could stay the case in whatever amount of time he gets, um, you know, he'd probably be my leader in the clubhouse. I think it's, it's, it, it's, uh, a little bit of a tip of the hand that he was the first one signed and a, a good deal before the other guys. But, um, you know, I think the Celtics are hopeful that maybe he's the, he's the other guy with Hauser. Cool. Alex, I, I saw you nodding along. You have any, um, who's on your wish list? I think this point to kind of the power forward depth, especially if Grant is going to play at kind of a faster and more aggressive pace, is that that actually does become a real factor in these considerations. So I am less optimistic about Jabari making the roster uh, than I was, I would say, before this preseason game. I've I've been pretty all in on Theo Pinson as one of the best towel waivers in the NBA. I just think his vibes and energy are, his vibes are unmatched. So if I were leaning towards a guy, I would actually go with uh, him personally. But I I also think Theo is like I mean he's he's played in NBA games. He hasn't exactly made a huge dent, but you know his energy and his vibes are just very fun. So I have a soft spot in my heart for him. For me, it's just Matthews and Arch of Dimes for the shooting. This team needs it. They really don't have enough of it. And you don't really endear yourself to a defensive-minded coach if you are known for for saying that players don't get paid to play defense in the NBA. I'm sure he's moved past that, but uh, I think that a certain player has his work cut out for him in that regard. 
Maybe he's out to prove us wrong. Maybe that's the whole, <laughs> the whole mission here. All right. Well, I'm glad we just satisfied the the clickbait need for our podcast. That'll be the name of the podcast. Um, yes. And for whatever it's worth, this is the uh, 69th edition of the Celtics Lab podcast. How nice is that? So uh, let's look at the rotations. Yes. <laughs> We're old, not up. Uh, let's look at the rotation. So, Chris, who do you think starts on game one and why? And who do you think starts on game 82? Yeah, so uh, as much as I've, I'm leading the start Neesmith uh, bandwagon to be out there with Marcus, Jays, and Rob, um, I'll relent that I think maybe early in the year it could be Horford. And, and again, I, I want to see it before I'm ready to go all in on that, but um, I get the I get the need for size, and as long as Rob and Al coexist and there's enough shooting on the floor and and, and Al can make threes, um, you know maybe that's a lineup that can work. And you always can sub in early, and Schroeder gets in there, and you mix and match from there. Uh, but by game 82, I really hope it's Neesmith because I just think it's vital for this team to have shooting. Like, you can't tell me mm-hmm. they're, they're going to go out there against the Bucks or the Nets and, you know, and shoot 35% and they're going to hang around. It's going to be like, you know, it's going to get ugly in those instances. So uh, it's on Neesmith to develop and earn that trust. And uh, we'll see how fast he can do it. But uh, and for the Celtics, really, too, as, a, as moving forward, like Neesmith's development is huge, whether it's as a core piece or a trade bait or whatever. Um, they really need them to come along. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst thing if they just roll the dice in game one, but you know, maybe a new coach is a little bit more ready to lean on the guys he knows. Uh, I'm going to hop in here. I actually, I think Horford should start and um, Rob should come off the bench unless it's one of those well, things. Well, hey guys, it's been fun. So, uh, <laughs> <we'll> be, uh... <laughs> well, if it's one of those things where, you know, he's young enough that he needs that title of being a starter Whereas Horford, I'm sure, kind of like Ginobili, it doesn't mean anything to him. I'd like to save Rob because I don't know that he's going to play 38 minutes a game. So save him. And then second, third quarter, you see what you have that night with him. And then because I think Horford coming in a little cold feels safer than Rob coming in in the first and then not really playing until the fourth again. So I emotionally, I don't. Well, actually, I love Horford. I'm cool with it emotionally. Uh, logistically, I'm pretty down with the cause too. I think Neesmith, and now this is kind of cold and horrible, if only to boost his trade value, because assuming the Celtics have something up their sleeve, one of the young guys needs to pop, um, whether it's Pritchard or Neesmith or somehow Langford, although he hit that shot, so maybe Langford. Uh, <laughs> they got They have to showcase these players, and suddenly the Celtics have a little too much depth, which uh, we'll talk about in a second. Alex or Justin, any thoughts on the starters? I love this plan of Neesmith eventually cracking the starting lineup. I think that would be awesome and would exceed probably my highest hopes for him this year. I still think we might be a year off, but that preseason game was really promising. And he definitely looks bigger and has stated that he feels a lot more comfortable uh, heading into this year than he did last year with a full training camp. So it's not crazy. I, I still think there's some kind of holes in his game that need to be worked worked out a little bit before he can be that full time starter. But if mm-hmm. Smith cracks the starting lineup by the end of the year, that's awesome news for me. Yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty interesting that we are all focusing on the four, who's going to be starting on the four, and kind of just assuming everyone else is going to be starting. I think that's definitely the right take. They're going to be nice to Al and see how he works as a starter early in the season. I think that, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, the depth of this team is going to be such that they won't need to be playing anybody more than 25, 30 minutes a game unless, you know, they're really hot. So I don't know that we're going to need to worry too much about, you know, the age of Horford or, you know, the extremities of Time Lord. I think that, Probably these things are going to work themselves out in a pretty natural fashion. And frankly, I'm not too worried about it. I, I do yeah. think that by the end of the season, I think the time was probably going to be starting or we are going to have either a trade or a problem. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not really sure exactly how, how the four is going to play out. I, I could see it going a lot of ways. Cool. Uh, so then uh, quickly, uh, unless people feel strongly about it, who closes these games? So Forsberg say it's, I know this is a little far off, little cart before the horse, but say it's the Eastern Conference semis in Brooklyn or Milwaukee, if the Celtics are so lucky. Who's closing these games? Yeah, it's it's interesting thought. And uh, one that made me think a little bit more than I than I have. Like, you know, I feel like in past years we've sort of said, Oh, they're just gonna go super small and, and they'll have that lineup that can that that is uh sort of their best five. And I'm not sure what their best five is this year. It could be Horford. Um, it you know, maybe by the end of the year it is Neesmith. But, you know, something tells me it's more likely to be, you know, yeah, 
maybe Josh Richardson if they need defense. Maybe it's Schroeder if they need you know some another secondary ball handler. Um, yeah. You know, it could, it, it could be a little bit it could be a little bit fluid there, but um, yeah, it's it, it's funny. This is the first time that I haven't I can't definitively say like best five closing lineup. Yeah, at least in the past four or five years, anyways. Um, Alex and Justin, are you also feeling the, that the future is unclear? Or do you have um, anything with conviction you'd like to proclaim? I just really think for closing, it's matchup to matchup. Like so much of it depends yeah. on game flow and just like who's hot that game, who's not. I think you're almost certainly going to see some combination of Jalen, Jason and Marcus on the floor at the end. But outside of that, it just it really does depend on how the game is going. Yeah, it's I mean, that's not the point of the exercise, but <laughs> here we are. All right. Uh, maybe we, maybe we have a little more uh, oomph behind this one. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on the rotation and who do you think is going to play an outsized role? Who might end up getting squeezed and specifically for the young guys like uh, Romeo Aaron, Grant Williams and Peyton? Is this an opportunity for them or is this going to be a real challenge? So I think Schroeder's going to play a ton. Like okay. you're going to get every dollar you got, you know, you're paying, you're going to get, <laughs> you're going to maximize the $5.9 million. And, uh, and, you know, it might be your season, but uh, maybe, the, you know, there's going to be an opportunity. And I, you look at the minutes he played in, as a six man in Oklahoma city, I think it's going to be, be big. I think, the, you know, if Richardson kind of rebounds from the last two seasons, maybe, maybe he'll play a big role as well, but you know, I'm not bullish on that on based on early returns, but yeah. again, it's, it's, it's a little early to be making bold uh, uh, determinations on, on how that will play out. You know, the one guy that I just felt all along is going to get squeezed a little bit is Peyton Pritchard. And I know, I know they need shooting, but it Schroeder's going to play a ton and you've got smart and you want to play big. You know, I, I just, I've struggled when I, when I put my, the, the minutes down to get yeah. much beyond 12, 14 minutes for, for Peyton Pritchard. And, you know, that's a little bit unfair for a kid who comes in and shot 40% his rookie year, but um, I think he's going to have to show he can do something other than shoot, uh, which is crazy on a team that doesn't have a lot of shooting, but um, you know, uh, so, you know, maybe that will ultimately be the way it backfires is this, this hot take that I don't know where the minutes are going to come from. Maybe he's one of the only dudes who consistently hits threes and they're just like, all right, fine, shoot from the logo. Uh, you're all we got. But um, unless he can kind of figure out, how to be a little bit more of a playmaker unless he can really kind of dig in and be scrappy defensively. Um, I'm struggling to figure out how, how Peyton plays uh, a whole bunch of minutes. That seems right to me, Chris. I think there's just, there's so much guard depth right now and so many experienced kind of battle tested guards ahead of Peyton that it's going to be tough for him to crack the rotation in a meaningful sense. But I also kind of think in a weird way that that's a good thing for him. Uh, I think that, Pritchard showed that he was a really quality shooter and a decent ball handler last year in spots. But uh, his, you're right in that his game does need to kind of branch out. And in particular, I think he really needs to show that he can keep up on the perimeter with NBA level scorers uh, on defense. If he can do that, and I think that this is an interesting challenge for him, I actually think uh, it's worth reevaluating his ceiling as a player because he does have some well-defined skills that are usable in an NBA offense. And I think for those skills, uh, he's not going to be out of the rotation completely. But I think in a way, this represents an interesting challenge for Pritchard to kind of push his game to that next level and see if he can be a guy that's like, no, you have to play me. I do think that Pritchard, they, they do they do anticipate this issue and have been kind of using him more in an off-ball role in summer league. So if that ends up being kind of more of his role in the coming season, I could actually see him and Josh Richardson really competing for time, depending on who is actually being able to contribute to winning basketball more. Really? And then I'll, I'll bring it home, I suppose. I'm really interested in this Wancho start, if only because it suggests that maybe there's less of an appetite to put Tatum in the front court, which I think anyone who's ever played NBA 2K really wants to see that happen. Maybe someone who cut their teeth, playing actual NBA basketball has a different opinion, but uh, I think Grant might get squeezed because he found a home in the front court in seasons past. And if Ennis and Wancho and then the aforementioned bigs are going to get burned down there, I don't really know where Grant goes. It's weird. I think the veterans need time to feel valued and relevant and consistent, especially people like Richardson trying to bounce back. But then the young guys <laughs> need to learn how to play NBA basketball. So uh, I'm hoping for an addition by subtraction trade down the pipeline, but that's 
that's another future podcast. So uh, let's keep it moving. Uh, Chris, where, where are you going to find the Celtics and the standings at the end of the season? Ooh, I, you know, I, I've said they got a lot, an awful lot has to break right for them to be in the top four. Uh, and, you know, if every team in the league sort of, you know, you, you figure Brooklyn, as long as Kyrie doesn't miss, uh, miss a half the season, uh, mm-hmm. is there, they're going to be pretty good. And maybe even if he does miss half the season, they're going to be at the top of the East and the Bucks are going to be good. Um, Atlanta is going to be right there. Uh, so I, I struggle to see how they get up into the top half of the bracket. But, you know, if everything broke right, if the Jays take another step, like there's the, the potential for it. But I think they're more likely fifth or sixth. And they're sort of evaluating things as they go. And maybe there is a trade along the way. And maybe that changes how we see this team. Or maybe that someone out kicks expectations and we're like, okay, they're, they're a little bit better than we think they might be. But they could also just be, you know, maybe the offense isn't just isn't good enough. And they're, they're down at six or seven. So I brace yeah. myself from everything from, from three to three to ten. Uh, based on like how it could go, like I, I would be very surprised if it's if it's that eight to ten range, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's six, seven, eight, hmm. six or five, six, seven. We'll say that. That feels like the consensus. Anyone on the other side of this Zoom call feeling brave? I feel pretty brave. I think that the Celtics <laughs> actually have a much more balanced and defensively versatile roster. Uh, I think we one thing we have to take away from the preseason game is that. You know, that we only got a short spurt of what this team is really capable of because Jalen and Jason were getting yanked at 25 and 26 minutes, respectively. When those guys play a full minutes load, I think this offense and these roles kind of click into place a little more. So I, in my preseason projections, Homer that I am, actually have the Celtics all the way up at three. And I think that's not unreasonable. I am not as bullish on Miami as I think a lot of other people are. And uh, I think that the rest of the East, all the Celtics, the Heat, the Hawks, all of these teams realistically could bypass each other at any given moment. It just kind of depends on who's healthy. Um, but I think that the Celtics infrastructure and defense in particular, I think that I think they're going to have potentially a top five defense this year if everything breaks right. Uh, and I think that that's going to be something that will carry them uh even further in the regular season along with their ascendant young stars. So I, I like the Celtics a lot heading into the season. I think they're not in the same tier as Brooklyn and Milwaukee, but I think they're right there below them. I don't have too much to add to that other than it's also important to keep in mind that Brad has said that he is open to tinkering with the roster, even well ahead of the trade, de- trade, trade deadline. So if something does come along, this could be a very different team by the end of, of the season. So with that in mind, I think that three all the way down to 10 is very, very excusable. I think that the Celtics and the Hawks get out and run because they're young teams and they forget that it's a marathon, not a sprint, and they win a few too many games. And Brooklyn and Milwaukee moonwalks their way to the Eastern Conference Finals, and the seeding doesn't matter. So I got I got Boston and Atlanta at one two. Why not, uh, Chris? Will any Celtics player bring home any hardware this season, be it an MVP or a six man or something like that, if, or uh, a, or a coach? I suppose. If someone's going to hit Alex's third seed, then Tatum better be like in that MVP conversation or, you know, Jalen muscled his way into something, you know, I don't know, all all NBA conversation. Um, But yeah, you know, I I don't know. I don't think they'll outkick expectations enough for Ime to get in the, uh, the coach of the year. Uh, Although like, I don't know who else is like going to get it, you know, like uh, Bud's not going to get it for if they're just good again. And, you know, maybe Steve Nash or whatnot, but um, yeah, you know, so so I, I guess I'll leave open the door that if they really do end up in the top half of the bracket, there's a chance he could uh, he could get it. But it feels like it's going to be someone else who, you know, a lot of new coaches, new faces out there. Uh, someone else is going to going to kind of going to boost expectations. And then, you know, like I hope uh, just because I, I, after getting to talk to him a little bit, I really like Schroeder's personality. I hope he's a six man. It's been a while since the Celtics had someone who you're like could be a six man guy. Like uh you know when we were sitting here last year we we're like hey could romeo langford be their sixth guy <laughs> and uh yeah it wasn't, wasn't a great spot for the celtics so uh yeah like maybe he can muscle his way into that conversation uh that would be that would be helpful for a team that uh clearly made a lot of bench overhauls with the goal of being uh a little stronger there i like this idea that schroeder is going to be in the six man running i actually think that this is a great year for him because it is a contract year and he's looking to get back to the value that he might have may have not been 
offered by the Lakers. So I would actually expect that Schroeder is going to be playing his ass off uh, for lack of a better word this year. Um, I think I'm, I six man is such a weird, like fluid award that really is so narrative based that it's kind of hard to pin down. Like, yes, he is going to win six man of the year, but I think he could be in the running. I think in terms of other hardware, you're more likely to see people in the all NBA, all defense conversation. I think a full year of Marcus Smart as the starting point guard offers him a lot of potential to be a first team all def- all defense guy. Uh, maybe a fringe candidate for defensive player of the year, although it's almost impossible for non-bigs to win that award. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say more likely you're looking at all-star teams, all-NBA teams, than you are actual, like, taking home an award hardware. I could see Brad sneaking a, at least Ooh. a candidacy for executive of the year if we oh. do see the kind of, you know, top three seed. Uh, just because, let's be honest, this roster was a mess when he got his hands on it, and he's done some pretty good stuff with it. So if they're successful, I think he has a chance. And we and we forgot Rob for all-team, all-first-team defense yeah. or whatever. Uh, if he keeps blocking 25-foot shots at that rate, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if he's going to unseat Gobert or whatnot on the, as, the, as the centers, but, you know, hey, uh, I can dream. Skinny Mark Blount. Uh you got Tatum. You got Tatum in the MVP conversation, or maybe just when no one else, when like the storylines die. Like, do you think he's an authentic MVP candidate, possibly? Or yeah, just... twenty. If, if he's up at 28, 30 points per game, like you know, he's gonna organically be in that conversation just because the big scorers always are in there. But it's what else he adds. You know, he can't just be twenty eight points per game and still be taking five free throws and three assists. That's not going to get it done against the LeBrons of the world. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can get into that conversation, though. Cool. I, I suspect you're right about that. All right, we got a Red Sox game to watch. So uh, we have a few fun semi-basketball-related questions we'll get you out of here on. Um, but right. first, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. Back when I used to do Celtics Hub stuff, you uh, you were one of the most friendly people at the Garden when I was Aww. so nervous all the time to be there. So it's good to see you again. And thanks Aww. for that. Um, well, that, that's nice. Well, you're nice. Um, speaking of which, who uh, who are you liking getting to know over um, over the Celtics with the new guys? Who's been funny? Who's been generous with their time? So I'll say this. So I get to sit down with every single guy on the roster on mm-hmm. media day, which was like a trip because I've never been in our little room and get to ask all the questions. And it's a little bit daunting because you're like, how am I going to get six minutes of question for Sam Hauser? But um, it actually worked out pretty well. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised with Schroeder. Uh, maybe I fell into the trap of, you know, wasn't, wasn't a guy they liked in LA and could you know, see it. And he bristled at some, some, some questions last year. Um, but you know, I thought he was super, super down to earth and, uh, was just as happy to talk about skateboarding as he was, uh, fumbling an $84 billion bag. Uh, so that was refreshing. Um, you know, Jalen has been just an, an unbelievable mood i know we, we kind of say like push back on that, that that stuff with tatum but he's been joking a ton and just like really kind of embracing where he's at now as a superstar and i think that's really cool to see because i think it just takes guys a little bit of time to sort of like settle into their own skin and be okay with that and just like you know enjoy it and so maybe i think tatum's on his way to getting there he's kind of starting to uh, get a little bit of, uh, more elaborate with his answers but you know mm-hmm. jalen for sure has been oh oh we, we'll go ahead Alex is good so like, sorry uh, very important breaking news Xander Bogarts just drilled a two run <laughs> shot in the first <laughs> inning to put the Red Sox up two to nothing Spoil- spoiler alert here. please continue Jeez. but oh, yeah cool. so like I, I they were I, I, this is one of the rare years where I've gone in and I've been like you know I wonder what's going to be like and everyone was kind of like a, a bubbly personality this year and. Uh, yeah, maybe not. Even some of the younger guys are, are coming their way. But Grant Williams can come in and he's VP of the union now and he's in a good mood. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been neat getting to, getting to talk to these guys so far. It's so funny watching Justin and Alex on Zoom because you know when they're not paying attention, which I'm guilty of all the time, of course. Um, so I knew something was going on with Alex, but I didn't, mm. <laughs> I didn't know what. Um, Chris, give us a fun Abby Chin story. Oh, my God. Um, uh, we, we went down to my, uh, just because it's the most recent, uh, we went, we went down to Mike Gorman's, uh, hall of fame induction and, uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I drive her to Krispy Kreme and she was on board with it and it's not <laughs> fun, but I just like, I thought for sure 
you know, like she'd be horrified that I just wanted to go eat donuts, but she was great about it. And, uh, and, 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 uh, took one of them, even though I, I'm not sure she wanted it at the late hour of the night, but, uh, <laughs> no, she's just, she, she's, uh, uh, I love seeing her back on, on the sideline. I missed her in the studio. Uh, it was really fun to just, uh, sort of be able to, to, to laugh and joke and, uh, not take last season too seriously. You know, it was a maddening season, but, uh, I'll say this too. Like I, I was like quasi, like I had to do some of her old job last year, right? Like interviews yeah. and stuff like that. It's the hardest job in sports. And, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, like, especially when you only have 30 seconds to talk something up. And she makes it look so easy and she's so good at it. And uh, I like, I just have a, a great admiration for every single sideline reporter that does what they do because it is really damn hard to be good at it. And uh, again, it, the, the, the great ones make it look super easy. Yeah. And she's, she's up there among the greats. Uh, Alex has a, a final question for you, but I'll Ooh. let you, I'll let you, well, I'm going to plug NBC Sports Boston. Maybe you've heard of it. And uh, Chris, before Alex asks his final question, what do you guys have going on um, this season that's different or exciting or new? Like, what are you looking forward to as a, a media member? Yeah, so uh, like, uh, so we got Amina is now in the Smith. Amina Smith is now in, in the, the the studio with us, and uh, we've got to, to work together a little bit last season on Celtic Post Up, and she's been on the Celtic Talk podcast. Uh, excited to to get to know her better, and. Uh, you know, she was talking a lot about the Miami Heat when she first got here. We're gonna we're gonna school her on uh, on Boston basketball, and uh, she was in Chicago for a while. So, uh, but you know, she'll settle in, and, and she'll uh, she's she's passionate about it, and I can't wait to see that. Um, you know, I'm excited that we have more player access this year uh, as a media mm-hmm. member. That I think that'll open our up. You'll see better stories from all of us in terms of like you know actually writing about the team and the personalities and and all that, but. Uh, yeah, like, look, uh, uh, I'm just excited that Mike Gorman is still there uh, calling these games. And uh, uh, I hope everybody, uh, you don't have to tune in for me if, uh, if I'm lucky enough to be on those <laughs> pregame shows, but make sure you're there for, for Mike and Scal and Abby. Cool. Alex, take it home. We will tune in for you, Chris, as well as Mike and Scal and Abby, just letting you know uh, right now. Um, so before we go, I have a very important question for you. And this is a question that I have wondered for long since, uh, long before I became a Celtics podcaster, when I was just watching you on TV during Celtics broadcast, which is, um, you have to drop the secret, uh, King. How is the hair? How, how does the hair get like that? <laughs> Um, what, what products are we using? Is there like yeah. a local barber that we need to know about? It's oh, immaculate and it, and it really has maintained, uh, a, a very notable di- kind of disposition for a yeah. couple it, of years now. So. Did you do TV today or is this just you? Cause it's, <laughs> no, this is just, this, I, I, uh, this is, I rolled out of bed. This is, uh, kind of like, uh, just winging it today. No, it's okay. So I'm, I'm always very embarrassed by this. I'm not embarrassed, but like, it, it's so funny to me. It's just. Like, thank God my, my, my dad had a great head of hair because uh, it just like, it gets hereditary or something. It got passed down. Um, I, I don't know. I was lucky enough. Uh, I, I, I found some good barbers uh, who make me look way better than, than uh, I, I, you know, have to dress me up somehow if you're going to put me on TV. So uh, my, my, I have a local barbershop here in Worcester, Axe to Grind. Uh, happy to plug them. My guy, Nick. Uh, you can find them on your Booksy app if you want to go get yourself a uh, skin fade or whatever else uh, the kids are doing. Like, I think mullets are hot right now. I don't know, uh, Alex, if you might want to, uh, you might want to dabble, but, um, you know. take that up uh, with the girlfriend see how she feels about that. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about it. I normally I go, I, I cut it all the way around. And for people who are listening, this is, this is, uh, uh, they're not seeing this great Zoom where I'm playing with my hair right now. Um, you know, but uh I had such bad hair as a kid. You got to see, you got to see the photos. Like I'm so dumb that people think it's cool now. I don't understand it. Uh, or not. I don't even know if it's cool. I just think people are like, Oh, there's a lot of it. Um, and, 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 and I will say the one secret is, uh, the, the, uh, my barber gave me this instead of gel and paste and all that stuff that you pay uh, money for at the store that, uh, turns white and stick in, like makes it like rock hard and solid. Like I have this little, it literally looks like powder. It looks like baby powder and you put mm. it in and <laughs> magic, magic. Yeah. <laughs> the holy, the, the, I'll, I'll plug them too. The holy black. I don't think I'll get any any kickback from them. But if you uh, not a sponsor, look them up. Maybe they could be. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Uh, look, I'm, if they want to sponsor a podcast, they can sponsor your podcast. They can sponsor my podcast. I'm I'm all in. All right, come for the Celtics. Stay for the hair care tips, Chris. I mean, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs>
We appreciate uh, it nonetheless. Chris, the people know where to find you, but uh, we Not look man. forward to seeing you on TV and down the road. So thank you so much for coming on. And uh, Red Sox fan, are you a Red Sox fan? I know I, I could care less about baseball. So, uh, but I am excited that other, everybody else is excited about it. Uh, I, it's always good for business when people are interested in that. But yeah, like, uh, you know, when, if people want to uh, uh, keep, keep doing what y'all are doing and people, uh, it, it's always a treat when people uh, hit you up on social media and say nice things or just say hello. And instead of man, you suck. And Oh, I had one more. I had one more question. Oh, yeah. The last one, 30 seconds or less. You only follow 38 people on Twitter. You definitely have a yeah, burner. But, you have a burner. Yeah, of course. I got, like, I got like seven <laughs> burners. Um, you know, I, I, I think I've told this story before, but um, uh, when I, you know, I got Twitter and I don't know, it was like 2008. I literally, how about this for bringing it full circle? I was at the Red Sox Rays 2008, probably uh, ALDS, something like they that. They Devil um, Rays at the time, yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, hanging out at Tropicana Field, and I, I made a Twitter because that's what people were doing back then. And uh, then, you know, two years later, I joined ESPN, and I was sitting there at a football game this time with, with Mike Reese, and uh, I said, ooh, I need a Twitter to, uh, to do that. And so ESPN Forsberg was born, and I was like, well, I am certainly not taking the time to refollow all these people. Uh, so I followed everybody like that was a coworker just so that like, they didn't hate me. And uh, – yeah, now now it's there. So if it, and, and sometimes I, I like I accidentally follow somebody and then I like just do I unfollow them or do I like just make them part of the thirty eight? Uh, so uh, I don't want to. Like, it's not a great list to be on, but if people feel exclusive because of it, you know, that's nice. All right, Celtics Lab. Follow. Yeah, Celtics <laughs> Lab listeners, new challenge. If you're listening, find Forsberg's burner. You don't no, have it's, to- it's really it, it's really not hard. It's actually, you know, what's funny is uh, when I had to switch my name and going to NBC, I renamed my personal account ESPN Forsberg, uh, but it's <laughs> private now. So <laughs> good stuff. It's still your homework, regardless. Humble. Listener. Yeah, I mean, if you can find my my other burner, then you uh, then you can win. It's just a false flag. It's a, ESPN Forsberg is a crisis after. All right, Chris, thanks so much for coming on. We were very lucky to share a time with you, and thanks for letting us get silly at the end. Um, thank you. We look, thank we you look forward to enjoy, a great enjoy, season. Enjoy the Red Sox game, I guess. Yeah. And then come watch Celtic basketball. Yeah, we will do. <laughs> thanks a ton.